Hola, welcome one and all to episode 16 of the Huddersfield Town Social. Hope you've all had an interesting international break. You could have watched England play seven defensive midfielders at a time, or you could have, like me, ignored football altogether, except for Fantasy Premier League, bloody Salah going down by half a million. Um, Huddersfield Town back in action after a nice rested period against Stoke City and what ended up being a seven-goal thriller. Uh, good value for money if you're paying £10 for iFollow, perhaps... Extremely frustrating to lose a game of football once you've scored three goals. I'd get into the details of it, but there was a lot to go through in, in, in the extended highlights, which I've watched after sticking with Radio Leeds and refusing to pay Ali Follow that £10, being the tight Yorkshire bastard that I am. Gentlemen, it, it, it was another game of, oh, yes, that's really good attacking play, Toffolo, Iting, exceptional once again. But at the back, we just look as fragile as we ever have done. Well, that was an adventure, wasn't it? <laughs> I mean, we were the orchestrators of our own downfall in the most Huddersfield town way possible. Uh, and it says a lot, the fact that in our last six outings, we've squandered the lead three times. Um, and the failure to close out games from winning positions needs to be addressed. I mean, started well. Great bit of play from Iting and Toffolo to get us underway. Finished it well questions about their goalkeeping but I think we've got plenty more questions about the goalkeeping to talk about today um, and then it all went became a bit of a soap opera didn't it really it was a uh, it just unfolded in front of our eyes in dramatic fashion first goal we looked a bit hapless no marking to speak of bit of misfortune with with the block but then second is a complete howler and it only took two minutes I mean I, I don't know what to say about it really it's difficult. It's difficult because I look at someone like Joel Pereira and I was surprised as many were to see him on the team sheet because obviously it was a it was a last minute thing with Hamer being out, possibly had a birthday party over the uh, last few days and he's come down with, uh, he's got a, a he's got contract trace. So nothing you can do about that. And on the one hand, you can say, okay, if you're an study goalkeeper, you need to be ready to step in at a moment's notice. But in practice, you know, you could go the whole season and never be called upon for uh, for a league game, Joel Pereira. Okay, he's not played properly for us um, in a senior game at all. Okay, like that's a big step up to make. And then to be drafted in, I don't know what day it will have been, but to be drafted in at short notice, okay, he's going to be caught a bit, he's going to have been caught a bit cold. However, you can't, you can't deny that that was a horrendous debut. And he won't need telling that. He'll be well aware of that. I'm thankful there weren't fans in because they would have made him well aware of that as well. Um, if it had been left there, then maybe we could have dealt with it a little bit better. But he got lucky a couple of minutes later, uh, an awkward effort squirming underneath his body. Thankfully, it went round the post. Um, I mean, okay, look, it's a well-worked effort from Benza, who still has a lot to do when Iting plays that ball through to him for our our second. Uh, good finish, took it well. He looks like he's becoming a bit of a player now. But when you've got 15 seconds left to half time, just get a bloody foot from it. Get a bloody foot through it. It doesn't need to look pretty. And I think I joined probably 10,000 people staring at that screen shouting much the same thing. Uh, Matt Glennon, I thought, summed it up perfectly. It doesn't have to look nice. Sometimes you just need to get some air on it and get it out of the danger zone. You can't concede on the halfway line, can you? But we've got this obsession with overplaying from the back. Um, it was an absolute abomination to give that away. I think a lot of the blame is on Pereira, but a lot of it is also on Stearman, who gave the goalkeeper the ball in a situation where he probably didn't want it. So questions have got to be asked there of experienced players and junior players. 
And the fourth was just a shit show as well. I mean, dance through the stationary defence. How many missed tackles do we have? The shot was still quite close to Pereira. I think he should have got something on it. No one covered themselves in glory for that. So, I mean, to sum up, scoring three goals away from home, that has to be an encouraging sign no matter what. We're a side that historically don't score many goals. We've proved that not to be the case now. But on the flip side, conceding four against any team is a recipe for disaster. Yeah, I, it was a it was a good game for the neutral, I guess. Um, I didn't particularly enjoy it. Um, you know, any game where we have sixty nine percent possession, got have half the number of shots of the opposition either at all or on target, I guess tells you about the type of game we played. Stoke's progress over the last few uh, few weeks has been um, driven around a high press. So they've been playing a high-press game. That's what Michael O'Neill's got them doing. And, and we clearly didn't research that well enough because they did it from minute one. They also identified Hogg as a weak link. Every time Hogg got the ball, within a second, he had a man on him pressing him. Um, I mean, the goals were, were, you know, they were embarrassing, really, weren't they? Let's be honest. And and I said this, I think, on the last, last podcast, that Huddersfield Town's ability to score great goals is only surpassed by their ability to give away the shittest of goals. You know, we seem to have to work so hard to create clear chances and take them, yet the opposition don't. The first goal was a carbon copy of what happened at Luton, or home to Luton, rather, where they stuck the ball into the back post, they won a towering header, and a man, you know, wandered in from the edge of the box and smashed it into the net, an almost carbon copy. Um, And I thought Dehaney as well, I mean, we're talking about the defence, I thought Dehaney had a poor game for the second goal. Campbell just left him standing. Uh, for the there was another one not long after where Campbell got through one on one, and that was caused by Dehaney being way too deep compared to the rest of the back four. It, it was it was just a poor show, and, and I was trying to work out in my head whether you know this thing about constantly playing, feeling like we have to constantly play, which Matt Glennon rightly was criticising during the commentary, is that something that Carlos is absolutely adamant he wants and absolutely asking the players to do at all times to take those risks. And if they don't pay off, then that's fine. You know, we've done the right thing. But having seen his face on the interview at full time, he looked pretty livid to me. So my guess is, yeah, you absolutely should play the football. But as experienced footballers in Stearman and Saar, you know, and Hogg, you've got to make the right decisions at the right times. And, you know, he doesn't want you to play yourself into trouble, but there seemed to be a real ability to do that. And Stoke, to be honest, I thought we were there for the taking. I, I didn't think they were that great themselves. They've been on a strong run of form and the win yesterday took them up to seventh place. So I guess that shows you the, uh, the narrow nature of the championship continues that, you know, one team can win and jump seven places. Another team can, can lose and drop, a, and drop two or three, but, disappointing all round really I mean I was listening to a few people after the game on Radio Leeds saying well I'd rather play like that and lose than the shit we're being served up under the Cowleys and Wagner which is which is great but what they aren't realising is in the last six games we've won one game and you know playing like that if we're not careful if we don't start making some better decisions during matches is going to get us into trouble well, lads, my um, porn-up viewings have dive-bombed over the last couple of months because instead of sneaking off on a Saturday night and, uh, and putting that on, I'm watching Town's goals on repeat, repeat, repeat. And it's, it's so refreshing that we're actually going forward, trying to attack, playing good football. But unfortunately, you've also got to defend if you want to win games. And um, I mean, the, um, you know, you guys obviously talk about the defence and the problems um, with that. And although it's encouraging that we actually scored three goals, Yesterday, I'm going to highlight 
a couple of issues that I've got in that sense as well. Um, Stoke's first goal, just ball-watching, seems to be a running theme. Nobody reacts to the header, um, and the guy's got acres of space. Good finish, but you know when you've got that much space, it's hard not to. Um, the, th- <laughs> the third goal of Stokes was just diabolical. And, you know, it brings into question for me, I, I think that he is trying to play in the right way. I just don't think we've got the players with the capabilities and the quality to be able to deliver it. And that that is a bit of a problem. Um, and I don't really know what the answer is other than to invest in better players because it seems that that's the direction we're trying to go in. But as, as long as we've got players that you know, are prone to these kind of mistakes. We're just going to keep making the same mistakes over and over again. But I'm going to focus a little bit on the attacking side of things. And it's a bit strange because we've scored three goals, but there's still a few bits that will concern me slightly. Um, you know, we, we had 64% possession, but we only had four shots to Stoke six. And the, the one thing that stood out to me was the number of shots outside the box. So Stoke had six shots outside the box and we only had one. And it always seems like we're, we're trying to score the perfect goal all the time rather than just, you know, have efforts outside the box. It could get deflection. It could get parried into somebody else. Anything could happen. But we seem to be constantly trying to score a perfect goal. And like Gareth says, it every time we come forward, it seems like, oh, we're going to, we probably won't do anything here. Every time the opposition come forward, I think they're going to score. I mean, I'm going to highlight the, the, the ruthlessness of town, um, the cutting edge. So I said at halftime, I put a tweet out um, at halftime because I was a bit concerned that we went in a goal down um, and, you know, they're asking, oh, what, you know, are we going to, we've still got a chance to come back. We've got a full half. Um, and I put a tweet out there and I just wanted to to ask you guys just to have a little bit of a quiz on on um, on Town's ability to come back. So when do you think was the last time, you know, looking at what Preston did to us, what Bristol City did to us at home, when do you think the last time was that Town actually came back from a goal down at half time away to win the game? Anybody know? Has it a guess? Pre-Premier League era, I bet. Yeah. God, it's not like um, it wasn't like Rotherham away in the promotion season, were it? Were we losing at half time in that, or were we, were we level? Uh, level. It was, and I hope I'm wrong. I hope to God. So if if someone can correct me on Twitter, um, we've obviously done it at home a couple of times in the, the last ten years. Um, but the last time I saw, we actually came back from a goal down away from home to win was against Leeds in 2008. Fucking hell. <laughs> I hope you're wrong. Uh, as well. <laughs> that's but, some record. But, you know, at home, we did it a couple of times. Um, Forest at home, 2016. Uh, Colchester at home, 2011. Those are the only games that I could see that we actually came back from a goal down at half time to win the game. And that's not a criticism of this season. That's obviously something that seems to be. A recurring problem, particularly ever since we got promoted back to the championship. Um, the last time we finished the season with a positive goal difference was uh, 2012. Again, before we got promoted to the championship. <sighs> the last time we scored two in the first half uh, was obviously this game. But before that was Fulham away back in February. We seem to have this inability to have cutting edge ruthlessness to see teams off even when we go a goal in front it seems to be a one nil trying to hang on 
grind out instead of putting teams to bed. And I'm raising these stats because I'm concerned, lads, that history tells us that we are perpetual strugglers in this league. And I think that that is down to, but not philosophy, because we've had so many different managers with different philosophies. You know, even the season we went up, ironically, to the Premier League, we didn't score that many goals. We, we ground out victories. Um, you know, we, we were quite lucky, actually, although we, we, it was great team effort, great team spirit. There was a lot of luck there. There was a few last-minute goals. There was a lot of hanging on. And I kind of worry that this is it. This is our level with the level of investment that we're getting to the club. And it doesn't matter what the philosophy is. I'm bringing it back to Carlos now. He's trying to play things the right way. And it's great that we're playing more attractive football, but we're still lower half, bottom end championship. For all the great football, we're still not top half. We're still not mid-table. And I think this is our ceiling, in all honesty, with the amount of investment that we're getting put in with the players I just do not think we've got the quality to be able to kill teams off, to hit the front foot, to really punish teams, to have that cutting edge so that you're confident if we go a goal down, we're going to bring it back. Because to me, teams will look at that, they'll look at the history and they'll say, if we score a goal against town, the worst we're going to do is draw or we beat them. And we've got to get out of that mentality we've got to have more cutting edge and I don't know where that's going to come from Rolando Aaron's you know I mean greatest respect but if we're looking at players of that quality it's not going to happen and you know I mean I'll ask you guys I mean are you happy with us being where we are now because I think everyone to be honest this season we're happy just to string a few passes together well that shit last season highlight of Corona for me was that break of not having to witness that utter clusterfuck of a season last season to have a break from it, to not be embarrassed when people ask who I support, to not turn red in the face. You know, it's been refreshing to have good football, but I'm just concerned that next season people's expectations will rise. And unless we have the investment to bring the players in, we are going to be in this position for years and years and years, or we're going to be a top in League One side. I don't know. What do you guys think? Before we let the, our version of Ledley King or Jack Wilshire have his say, just two points on that. One, is it about game management? Because we, we took David Wagner's side, it, it, his whole philosophy was, right, I don't want to bring that hole. It's not the size of the dog, it's the size of the fight and the dog kind of quote into it. But his philosophy was, if we keep the ball, the chances of the opposition scoring uh, are quite slim. And that worked. I know, I know we got a few pastings on the way, but there were those were teams that had quality and worked out a way of beating us, Fulham being the obvious example. So one is it game management. We said we certainly improved game management under Danny Cowley, but we seem to have lost that in a way because we're trying to play this style under in under Cobra. But under investment as well, you you made a very interesting point because I think the way that we can improve this team exponentially is actually in defence. We, we, yes, we know we need a couple of attackers to make us really cutting edge, but you look at that defence and Bar Toffolo and Peeper, who obviously give us a lot of width and lots of attacking ability, the defence hasn't particularly looked sturdy at all. You've got Richard Stearman for all his quality and, you know, Cam loves him. I know we say that, but you know, we're probably taking that a bit too far. But you know, Stephen has played at the Premier League Championship for the majority of his career. He's on the turn. 
Schindler's on return. Tommy Elphick, we forget about him. He's still got 18 months after his contract. We seem to be a stable horse for um, centre-backs who are bashing because I love him. But we seem to be that stable for, for ex-Premier League centre-backs who are getting a nice payoff from Hudson to Elphick to Stearman when reality is the type of football that we need to we are playing and that we need to build around is is defenders who are mobile and, and have ability on the ball. The problem is they're more likely to go to Premier League clubs or top championship clubs. But I think they will cost less than spending a hell of a lot on uh, one or two big names at the front of the field. And if you can build a better defence, we are certainly creating enough chances to build a top half team that might just slip into the playoffs. I think you're absolutely right, to be honest, Greg. Um, I, I look at the side and I thought, OK, at the start of the season, when we, I think it was after the transfer window shut and we didn't sign a striker. Uh, I made the point that it might be a case of um, getting promoted. Um, we're not sorry, like, <laughs> let me rephrase that. It might be a case uh, of similar to the promotion season, sharing the goals around. The season we went up, am I, am I right in thinking that Kachunga was top scorer with nine league goals or something like that and we shared it around? We've proved now that this team can score goals. I mean, we scored three yesterday. Good goals, we got to say. You know, Wagner's side didn't score. They didn't concede a lot either, but they didn't score. We've solved that immediate problem, and we don't need a 25-goal-a-season striker. Yeah, it'd be nice if we had one and we had 15 million to spend on one, but we don't, we won't, and we're making do. So I think defence is the way to look, really. And, OK, it's going to be cheaper than a £20 million striker. Um I look at it and I think, okay, top alone people, they're the sort of quality of play that we want. We need to be a bit more ruthless. Okay, I love Schindler as much as the next man. He's been a great servant to this club. I think everyone will look back on this time here with fond memories. It's impossible not to love him. Um, He's not half the player he was three or four years ago. Stearman, yeah, okay, I've well documented, you know, my my, my feelings towards him and uh, and how much I enjoy watching him. And and I think he has really, uh, his, his stock has risen this season, but, he does have a mistake in him, as we saw yesterday. Naby Saar, the same. I think uh, he, he brings a bit of dynamism to the defence, but not really consistent enough, I don't think. I've seen, we've seen less of him, but again, he looks like he's got a mistake in him as well. Uh, Elphick, I didn't realise that was how long he had left on his deal. So we need this level of fullback we've got instilled into the centre of defence because, OK, if we're going to score goals, that's not the problem anymore. The problem is is, is this the, the, the leak we've got going through the centre of the park. Very soon, if this is what we decide we're comfortable with, and, and this season is kind of a bit of a free pass, a get-out-of-jail-free card, because if we get 15th, everyone's going to think, well, wow, you know, that's a, it's a miracle, and it kind of is. But two seasons' time, if that's all we're doing, and that's basically what was happening, the reality before Wagner came in, if we're getting back to the Powell years, people are going to start losing interest again. So it has to be a stepping stone. And, OK, we're not going to know that this season. And I know that we have... Um, the club has spoken about its plans for the future for redevelopment but no I think that okay attention at the start of the season was on the strikers we've sort of worked a way around that now we've got a system that works but if we're getting the most out of that system then yeah we need consistently across the board players who can play it and like we said right at the start of the season we need more of them we need quantity as well as quality the full-backs remain a concern as well, though, don't they? I mean, they, they, um, the two we've got are probably on current form, the best two in the Championship, but how lopsided did we look yesterday without Pieper? 
So it's not just the centre halves. I think we said this. I think we probably somebody picked it up on this podcast that before the season started, you know, what happens if we get a fullback injured and it, and that's come to pass? And you know, De Haney did okay yesterday. Don't get me wrong. He, you know, he didn't stand out as poorly performing, but he, he you know, he didn't cover himself in glory on two or three occasions. And it, it's it's a constant lack of underinvestment. Having said that, like you, I didn't realise we had eighteen months of Ilfeck left on what's probably top-end championship slash lower Premier League wages. You know, I, I have a bit of sympathy with the club. How on earth do you bring more bodies in when you've got that kind of deadwood lying about? I think the problem's bigger than that, guys. I think you're missing it. I don't think it's that the defence isn't good enough. I think the system we're playing causes us to ship goals. I think that's what the issue is. Even before yesterday, so Pippa missed yesterday. That's the first game he's missed. And we've not won very often before that. It's not like the first game it's suddenly gone to shit. I thought De Haney was terrible, unfortunately. I think that he was a square peg in a round hole there. <clears throat> for the second goal, he was out of position. But the reason why he was out of position is we, for the third goal, I think it was, sorry, he was out of position because we had the ball and he, 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 he's in the wrong position to start. And it messes about a little bit in the centre midfield and he sets off to go. He sets off to go. And as he sets off, we lose the ball. Pippa normally gets back in time because of his pace and his positional awareness. And he, and he helps cover. Henny was all over the place and conceded off the back of it. I think for Stearman, I think he's, off his, I think he's gone off his meat again. We said he must have uh, turned away from his non-meat-eating belief to, 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 to improve how, how well he has done recently. But again, yesterday, he was, he was pretty terrible. The entire thing was pretty terrible. But I do think it's a systemic problem, not just the players we have available. And when you have Pippa missing, we were so lopsided, everything went down. Toffolo's wing, and he was really well marched yesterday. We did score directly from him and O'Brien and Chroma doing a nice little bit of work down the left-hand side, but it was so tight down there. That was more or less the only thing that we did create from that side. And Iting put a really nice finishing, which to be honest, I thought the keeper should have done a little bit better with. Um, but now we're 12 games into the Corburn, Corburn approach. And when he was brought in to start off with, fans have this crazy belief that drives me fucking crazy. First off, right? We shouldn't throw money at problems. That, that's the thing we hear all the time. Yeah, you don't find York City in the Premier League. You don't find Bradford City in the Premier League anymore because it does take a certain amount of investment to compete over where you normally compete, even if you're being a great manager. Because there is a base level of investment required like we had under Wagner, which was our biggest budget in modern history, well, probably ever. Um, and we got promoted on the back of it, scoring very few goals. But this system we have now does score goals for players that last year couldn't score for any for Toffee, they just could not score. But the problem is now we're shipping goals that we didn't do last year under the Cowleys. We're 12 games in, which is a quarter of a season, um, roughly. And things have changed rapidly, haven't they, over the last six games. To, to, to lose three games from winning positions over the course of an entire season, I think is about average. I think it's there's not... That's it over a season. We're only a quarter of the way in. So what you've got now is, whereas over the last couple of years, going one nil up meant Hudson Town normally won games, and other teams were fearful of that. They're aware of it. There are so much, um, there's so much information and statistics thrown at the club by the technical guys that they have in there, um, and mathematicians even, saying that, okay, if we go go behind, we're in trouble, so we've got to start a little bit more rigid. Now teams come to play town. They know that even if we score first, they will get opportunities to get back in the games, and now they are not scared of playing as Wondell under Wagner, was a three points victory, three points for town, wasn't it? Game after game after game. That's how we got promoted. Now that's gone. That is not there anymore because we are open. We play open. We don't adapt. Now I said before, I was fully on board with the Corbin approach. I loved it. I loved everything. I was worried that the investment we put in wasn't enough and we needed a couple more fullbacks, like Gaz said, because we're so reliant on them going forward. And as it turns out, as we saw yesterday, actually in defense, their pace getting back really helps us. And I think what that is, is 
is there's a really good understanding between Toffolo and Pippa, where one goes, one does sit. So even though both of them are really attacking guys, normally one does sit to cover. The centre-backs switch over to go to a back three, and it really helps us in defence there. Yesterday, it didn't happen because De Haney's not at that level yet. It's not his fault. He shouldn't be put in that position to do that. He should not be third choice. He's not ready for that. That's the club's fault for doing it. And Phil said before the season, or just after the transfer window, that if we lose two or three games in a row, we'd look at it then. That's fine. But when you've got a small squad up to the end of the transfer window, you've only played a few games. It's not an issue. The issue comes after the transfer window ends and you've got seven games in 22 games, seven games in 22 days. And like now until January, we can't bring anyone else in unless they've been released prior to the transfer window closing. And we're already in the shit. We are already in the shit. I've done a quick look at the points per game for the first 12 games of the Cowley's approach to Corbin's approach and what, what the pair of them have done. And now the situation to me actually favours favors Corbin, not actually the Cowleys, right? Because the Cowleys came in, they had no off-season, they couldn't bring anyone in when they first got here. And really, the squads to me are pretty similar in talent. You've got Pipper instead of Danny Simpson. Um, I think it's probably better than anything else the Cowleys had in centre midfield on his performance yesterday. He was wonderful. In the first 12 games, the Cowleys' uh, points per game was at 1.41 points per game, right? Which would have ended in the season with 65 points and would have finished in 10th place over their 12 games. Colburn's first 12 games is a 1.16 points, which would have been 53 points, which would will be 53 points over the season, which, put, which puts us in 18th place. So factually, over the first 12 games of either coach's tenure, the Cowleys have performed far greater than Colburn has when it comes to points. So the first one that fans talk shit about is that we shouldn't throw money at the problem and the clubs throw that out. Okay, fine. I think that's crap. Secondly, I want to see Town play attacking football. Can we just stop talking like that? Because Wadsworth played a nice attacking 4-3-3 apparently and that got us relegated embarrassingly. This football is nice, but when you lose three games from wing positions in one quarter of the season, there is a problem with adapting to the game situation. And if we do not change and we don't adapt to games in games, this season will not end well. This will not end well. And it's not necessarily that the approach isn't good enough, but the players aren't good enough for what Coburn wants to do, and he has to, he has to change it because otherwise, three three losing three games from winning position is not fluke. That, that that that's something you have to act on now. And unfortunately, we didn't bring guys in before the end of the transfer window, so we've got to wait until January. It's going to be a tough dig over Christmas. And if all of us know one thing about Huddersfield Town, Christmas is never enjoyable. The fixtures around Christmas never never favour us. We never come out of them better than we go into them. Put it that way. So do you think then you're expecting Corbrand to re- to respond better in games and make changes, change the shape, which in fairness to him, I think he's shown that he'll do that. You know, he's, it's not worked though, Gaz. It's not no, worked, has it? I, mate, the I, proof in it's not, it's not worked. I'm, and wait, Wagner I'm had one plan. I know, Wagner had one plan and it worked, fortunately. He never had a plan B. We know that. It all went to shit. But we kind of, we played a reserve style of football and by the end of the games, we got fitter and fitter and fitter and we, we kind of twisted it a little bit at the end. The Cowleys... They reserved the entire team for 60 minutes and nothing happened. And then Bakuna and Diakabi came on for the last 30 minutes. We upped the tempo. We saw the weakness that they put so much effort into analysing in-game, the weakness of the team we're playing. And we'd really target either the right wing or the left wing, or we'd have the striker coming deep. So the midfielders pushed on. Something happened to change the game late on. And under Corbin, I'm not seeing it. I'm seeing a swap to three at the back. But the problem is, well, guys, the Corbin's a brand new manager, right? Nobody's seen Corbin, Corbin ball before. No one's seen it. We're now 12 games in and every team has got 12 games of tape on us. So they know what we're going to do. We're going into games now and they're like, right, if we stop Toffolo and Pippa, they've got nothing. They've got absolutely not. They've got Iting now because he was he was class yesterday. He is class. 
He's, an, he's not a defensive midfielder that some people thought he was when he came in. He's an attacking midfielder mm-hmm. based on yesterday's performance. He's all class. But our problem is we're now going to rely on the two fullbacks and Iting to create the goals and Mbenza. But Iting has been out injured for so long. If he's got this quick run of games going, he, he seems to have found form now. But if he's expect, if, we, if we're expecting him to stay fit for the rest of the season after being, he's a pretty young lad and, and suffered some pretty bad injuries. He's not going to be fit the full season. He'll get a few little knocks. And we've got to get to January, yeah. hoping that doesn't happen. But I don't think I don't know if he has got the change. I don't know if he has got the changes yet, guys, because it's not been working so far. It's it's not been working, has it? And uh, no, I well, and that's like I said when I when I talked before. You know, I, I've got a couple of lads who work for me, a big Stokies, big Stokies. You know, and, and and they told even I knew that Stokes' recent revival had been driven around a high press game. That's what Michael O'Neill had got them doing. Yet we went with a flat back four and Jonathan Ogg in front of him, which. When you've got, you know, when you've got four or five players pushing high on your on your defenders, that sounds like a mistake to start with. He didn't adapt to that. I, you know, I lost count a number of times. Hog got pressed and, and either then had to go backwards or he lost the ball. You know that that was a t- that, that was a, get- that was they set out to do that, guys. You could tell every time Hog got it, they put two and three on him. They were they were smashing him. And the goal where Pereira, Pereira um, made a mess of it and Stearman was at fault to me. Hog. Hog was in the middle of that as well, and there were two on him. He was. That was the problem. They, they channeled the ball to Hog, and he's just he's just not good enough. So that's the the question is: Are we expecting Corbrand to change that mid game, or are we expecting players to take responsibility and make some changes themselves? So you know, Corbrand, I'm sure, didn't say to Pereira, "Pass it to Hog when he's got two blokes on him." You know that. So I, I guess I'm, I'm trying. I don't know what I'm trying to get. At. I don't know. What I'm I know what you're saying. No, I do know I'm what you're not, saying, but... guys. I do know what you're saying. But then it comes a point: if your players can't do it, you've got to ask them to do something else. Absolutely. Because if you don't, no, you're going to end in a bad situation. And the limited and, enough killer. So trying to get him to play the way Corbin wants to play and then instilling in them, oh, but if that doesn't work, you need to then do this. I think it's proving probably too difficult. He's trying to get away with plan A at the minute and plan A at times isn't working. And as I said before, we've won one in five. We're in a real shit run of form. We aren't playing that well, despite what people keep telling me. I wonder, though, how much we can put down to systemic problems uh, and how much we can put down to just individual errors because I actually feel for Carlos here. I agree with a lot of what's been said. Uh, then also, I think there's very little I think there's very little you can do uh, at times from the dugout when you've got things going on like Joe Pereira passing out to his striker. You've got Richard Stearman um, feeding him a ball back that he doesn't want. You've got Hoggy giving it away in the, in the defensive third, which led to a goal. So, I I feel for him because really, okay, you could say that um, we do need to adapt more, that sometimes the, the, back, the flat back four isn't really um, apt for um, certain types of game against certain types of pressing sides. But then how also do you plan for basic sloppy errors um, from players who frankly should know better? I feel for him there because really his plan should have worked better than it did. I'm, I'm not, Going to say if it was the right plan or the wrong plan because you know my 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 tactical my tactical nous is 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 far short of Ian's. But then again, we might have been having a different conversation had had uh, had Pereira known how to clear, had you know had had Stearman just thought okay, knock it out for a throw in. So really, I don't know. I think maybe to play devil's advocate, do we run the risk of reading too much into it and thinking that look, if we cut out the sloppiness, then perhaps you know. Perhaps it would have, we would have had a different outlook afterwards. Again, you don't score three goals away. From, you don't score three goals away from home and not win unless no, there's something you, wrong with it. And the thing is, there. The thing is, Cam. Though, like, if I asked you, right? So we've got four at the back options. We've got the three at the back options. But name Plan C. Anyone here 
name the third option that we have for Huddersfield Town at the moment if it isn't working. Well, I'm, I'm just I'm not used twelve to games in, twelve B, games so in. Yeah, no, this, I, I, won't, I won't contest that. There is no, there is no third option. No, there is no alternative. And 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 plan one and two were basically the same, apart from three at the back instead of four at the back. Mm. Like it's a similar style of football. Mm. But the problem is, if a team has worked that out, as we found out in the Premier League second season, if they found out how to play against your first option, and they've got the time to do it, especially after an international break, you've got to be able to do something else. And at the mm. moment. I just see the same thing over and over again. And it might be pretty, but we just want to win games. We want to finish as high up the table as we can. At the moment, Phil said, we don't want to ever be looking... After 10 games, we don't want to be looking back at the relegation zone. And now Wickham's suddenly becoming a massive game because all of a sudden, if we don't win Wickham and we lose, we're turned around facing it. Never mind, it's behind our shoulder. We'll be looking straight at it because things are going down rapidly at the moment. And that's what happens. It happens so often in the championship. And, and, and we need a result from somewhere pretty quick. And the goals are there, yes, but, but we're conceding them. And every team playing against us now will have a, a major belief that they can find something because we do give oppor- we literally give opportunities away, like you said. We have to work really hard to score goals, it seems, yet we give away goals for free. And that's a, that's a recipe for disaster. Yeah, absolutely. Um, listen, I, I mean, I, I talked about the attack just for a different perspective because I knew you guys were going to talk about the defence a lot, rightly so. I mean, the, the worrying thing is it could have been more to Stoke. Fletcher had an amazing chance to start the second half, completely unmarked, should have scored. Campbell put through, reasonable save from Pereira, but that could have gone in. Um, I think that the problem is that we're trying to, you know, there's all this talk of identity and we want an identity and a specific way of playing um, to be associated with and we are going to stick to that and I, you know, I think it is the right way to play. Problem is, I just don't think we've got the players capable of playing it. And as Ian said, I think we're probably it's probably better to change the philosophy, judging on these twelve games. I mean, you look at the you look at the championship. December's brutal. You look at the number of games coming thick and fast. You've only to have a couple of bad weeks, and suddenly you've lost four games. You know, and you're staring down the barrel of a relegation dogfight again. Um, and you look at the size of the squad we've got, the depth we've got, you've got players that are prone to injury. We mentioned IT and I thought you were amazing yesterday. And a special note from Benzer as well. I think he's really pushed on and it shows what hard work can do and dedication and, and discipline and, you know, praise to Carlos for to getting that out of him. I mean, he's playing for a move away, I'm sure. He knows his contract's running up, but it doesn't matter because he's doing well for us. He's creating goals, he's assisting, he's scoring. So that'll do me. Um, is is doing well, but I I just yeah I look at the defence and the, the standard of player and the philosophy is right for me. It's entertaining, but we're not Barcelona. We we don't have defensive players capable of the one touch, good nice play from the back, and you know it does fall down to individual decisions. You know they're adults. They're not they're not children. They don't need to be told what to do every two minutes. You know you you get closed out all Stoke had to do would just close us down then you would give ball away you know as does every team because we, we're so slow at times we just answer the ball hog as much as I love him and he's been a great player for us he dwells on the ball sometimes and it's, he gets dispossessed too often I think at times you've got to just hoof it into Rose Ed 
you know, as, as basic as it sounds that, you know, you come in, you look at that third goal being put under pressure, 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 you know, several times you just think, get, just clear it, put your laces through and clear it, make the decision for yourself. Worst case scenario, it's gone out of play for a throw in. You can regroup, reset yourself and you don't concede right before half time. And I do feel for Carlos a bit because you can't legislate for individual mistakes um, I don't know if he's saying you must play like this, um, but the, the players have got to be able to think for themselves. But I just don't think they're capable of playing the football that he wants them to play. You know, um, part of that, I think, you know, Carlos has probably got to change his philosophy. Part of it's also down to the um, to the board to back him. If this is the vision, if this is the philosophy they want to go with, um, if this is the identity, you've got to get the players in. And I'm, it annoys me that people equate to, you know, putting money in to wasting money. This talk of we won't throw money at it as if it means we're just going to spaff money on, you know, fifteen million pound players that are just that don't give a toss about the club. And you can still spend good money, but in the right areas sensibly. And quality costs money. You know, the the good defenders, the defenders that can pass, that have a bit of pace, that have the strength to win headers from corners, a height, they, they, they cost money, you know, and I'm not talking like 10 million quid, but a couple of million quid, two, three million quid. You've got to invest. You've got to invest to get the players good enough to play the system that you want to play. And I just unfortunately don't have the confidence in the next transfer window or the summer that we're going to be able to do that. Uh, one's been twice shy though, Nick. That's what it'll be. They'll look at the Premier League era. They will see that money that has been spent on on players who we still have in, in this squad budget, you know, totally thirty plus million pounds, and they will say that'll happen again. However, on the flip side, you've got Harry Toffolo and people that cost about half a million each. So, I've I've always felt that the club was never set itself up particularly well for the Premier League, and. and especially with the departure of Stuart Webber. And there's probably a reason why Stuart Webber left the club when it comes to recruitment as well. So I think all we can hope is that <clears throat> if we are, I think, A, we need uh, those in charge of the club to, to do invest a bit of money that we do have from the sales of Carline Grant, Steve Mounier, etc. B, we need a, a bit of better game management and uh, from, from the coaches of Huddersfield Town. And they are raw and uh, they need a, a little bit of help. And we, we kind of saw that with that first kind of half a season with, with David Wagner. So um, uh, people are like to say, you know, oh, we, we are a mid-table team, but I, we're on the precipice of, of not being a mid-table team. And there are a lot of concerns out there, which I think are extremely valid. And Ian made that, that point about the next game on Tuesday night about Wickham, being extremely difficult. Um, they've certainly had some good results recently. They um, very good result against Watford. They've won a couple of games. Uh, they're, they're on eight points with uh, Derby and Chef Wednesday, who were gifted six points back, um, also in the relegation zone. But um, looking ahead to midweek, um, it's going to be an interesting one. They, they, they're... they're Compared to uh, your typical championship side, they'll be more uh, physical with a beast up front, etc. How do we see it going? I think it'll be a tough game. Um, 
they've got better form than we have. Ironically, they've taken eight points out of the last 15. <clears throat> they had a very good draw against Brentford on on Saturday. You know, that that's no mean feat in itself. Um, I just hope we've got enough now, some quality on the day to take three points. This is a game we really need to win. If we don't, Wickham will be three points behind us. You know, that that should really, if that doesn't put it into perspective to people, how how precarious they said, rather see us playing like that and lose three, you know, lose three, four. If that doesn't give you a clue, then you need to give your head a wobble. You know, we are on the verge of being dragged back into a relegation battle. So it's a game I really hope we can win out, we can find a way. And I, and, and I think it's probably a game we can win if, if, they, if they play sensibly and use the undoubted quality we have in, in people like Iting and even in Benzagalovim, who's coming in, you know, really hot streak of form at the minute, then we, we hopefully will have, have a bit too much. I'm going to say 2-1 town. See, it's... I like to think back to some great games we've had against Wickham. You know, I've seen him twice as a fan, put six past him. And so in my head, it's the perfect team to play. However, it's exactly the wrong time to play him. I mean, they lose eight games in succession they did earlier in the season, and now they've lost one in five. And we're coming into this on the bottom of a massive slide. So, uh, yeah, you, the, the importance of this game is wasted on nobody. If we can keep that cash get quiet, I, I say keep him quiet, he's only got, what, three all season. But still... Um, I, I still, I still have faith that we'll get something. I still believe that okay, if we're scoring goals uh, in the frequency that we are, we're obviously against a, a lower caliber of opposition. That, that's undoubtable. So for me, for me, I think we're going to take this two 0 uh, Perhaps that's naive. Perhaps that I should be reading more into the defensive slip-ups. I'm hoping that Carlos gives them the right act a little bit uh, in the interim and, uh, um, you know, comes out and, and we cut that out. Um, but then again, you just don't know, do you? Uh, the form book, yeah, that's pointing towards the home side. So um, I'd say I'm optimistic, but then certainly not certain. It's just the sort of game that town loses. Um, we, we really need to win, but Wickham, they'll be well organised, well drilled, defence stoutly physical. Just the sort of team that we struggle against, and my concern is set pieces as well. Is is our management of set pieces and ability to defend the second ball from the set piece? <sighs> I, I'm sorry, lads. I think it's one nil Wickham, and I hope I'm wrong because we really need to win. But I think this is going to be a tough game. We're under a bit of pressure. Wickham, really good form at the moment. This is not going to be an easy game. I've just I just hope to God that we can. We can carry on our attacking display from yesterday, sneak a couple of goals and get the result, but I, I, I think we're going to lose this one. You've got us that um, attack really well but can't defend for, for anything. You've got Wickham that started pretty poorly this season defending. I think they lost to Blackburn 5-0, but they were down to 10 for most of the game. But now they've suddenly been able to defend pretty well and got some pretty decent results. Um to me, it feels a bit like last year when we went into Wigan and Luton. Both those games, you, you're against teams that you fall into that kind of mindset that's, um, oh, we should be beating the teams. Teams like uh, Wigan, teams like Luton. It feels like that, doesn't it? Just because he got promoted last year, that's why we're all so hopeful. Um, their form's been pretty good and we are definitely going the wrong way. And like Nick said, we're pretty shit at defending the cross. We're pretty shit at corners. We brought in Nabi Saar because we were, we, Schindler was awful for about two or three games, giving 
Um, a penalty away, I think it was, and just terrible at corner, losing his man at corner. So we brought Naby Sauer and a big six foot five bloke to try and to try and clean that up. And as we've seen, he can't do that. Unfortunately, he's not been great at that the last couple of games. Um, it's a tough game, and if anyone thinks we're going to walk in there and batter them, I think they're going to be uh, sorely mistaken. Even if we go one up, we know we can not lose heart. They'll keep going. Um, if Pippa plays or doesn't, has he been ruled out? Is he definitely out? If he's out, then. Um, it would change the forecast. I think I'm going to go 2-2, two, two, but that's more from hope than um, actual predicting because I think if, if Pippa's out and, and Wickham are out, we're going to struggle. But I'll, I'll hope for two all. I think a draw is the best we can get. We just don't want them catching us up. And it's it's crazy. It's crazy if we're 12 games in and already thinking this form run, this run of form is so bad that we need to stop people chasing us down. The games after of uh, Middlesbrough, QPR and Cardiff, um, these four games are big. These are big. These are teams that are around us. And with the form that we're on, we have to find a couple of very positive results within those four games. Otherwise, with the run of fixtures we have, with the, with the injuries that we're already facing, this is going to be a tough dig in until Christmas. Um, and Wickham's about as an easy game on paper as we can have this season. So we have to we have to get something. And a two-all draw, I think I'd be able to stomach. Well, they've only scored six, game, uh, six goals all season. So... Um... I'm a little bit more hopeful and I'll, I'm going to side with Gaz because I realise I'm the one-one man, the draw merchant. But um, it's one it's one of them games where we just have to have to win. Um, no, it's, I don't like saying that at this stage. It's, it's more of a must not lose than it is actually have to win. But if we win this, suddenly we're back in comfortably mid-table. We're kind of looking up rather than down again and, and then we've, we've all kind of had a bit of a boost. But I, I think Stoke was a reality check for a few people and it is one of those the big question following Huddersfield Town what, what do you want do you want to win games like you did as Ian explained under Danny Cowley who performed miracles with that um, uh, squad when he came in or do you want to play this kind of very very beautiful time style of football and it's probably just somewhere in the middle as everything in life it's a little bit about compromising i do think we can do that and um, thank you all for listening we'll be back next week hopefully with uh, a little bit more positive attitude but uh, i'm not going to glisten it scoring three goals for this little town is a rarity these days we must we must take a lot of heart from that and again carol lighting um his performance amazing and me um, and Isaac Emil and Benza. I'm thinking of Smith Rowe. Um, Isaac and Benza. Again, I, I, I've always thought there's a player in there, and, and, and Carlos Corbran certainly playing him in a more familiar role. But Town's performance on Saturday was summed up with Fraser Campbell kicking his own feet and falling over whilst being offside, if you saw that. So it's one of those things. It is that lower mid table life that we must get used to once again, and hopefully we can do a little bit better. But Nick, Gaz, Cameron, and the croc from down under. Thank you all. Peace out.